Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Samsung LED Displays. Today's podcast guest is Jonathan Gadai, CEO of Adomni. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thanks, Dave. Great speaking with you again. It's been a very busy 18 months since I last had you on the podcast. What have you and Abdomni <laughs> been up to since we talked last? Oh, boy. I mean, even just thinking in the last month or two, definitely there, there's been so much action. You know, 2019 was a really great year for Adomni and I think also for just you know, the programmatic out-of-home world. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of our media owner partners have talked about record sales. And then even in Q1, kind of leaving 2019, going to Q1 2020, the market was really on fire. Mm-hmm. And we had amazing, amazing momentum and big plans for 2020. Of course, you know, <laughs> enter the, the COVID pandemic and, and all of our plans and hopes, you know, immediately kind of changed to just understanding what was going on around us and, mm-hmm. and trying to cope with the period that really none of us had any sort of contingency plans for and anything that we've drawn up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in, in many ways, Dave, it was, it's, it's been the best of times and the worst of times mm-hmm. uh, for, for dominant industry. Now, Jonathan, walk us through when, when stay-at-home orders are issued, traffic is, you know, plummets. What actually happened to, to programmatic buys? Did it go to zero? Did, did people have, were some people still running? What actually happened? <clears throat> yeah, so it's a great question, and, and there's a few different sides to that question. You know, there's what happened in programmatic out of home, what happened in programmatic online, Mm. what happened in out of home just in general. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously we can speak for ourselves, but I think it's also important to put everything in context. Yes. You know, in in, in March, when, you know, the governor started telling people you must stay at home Mm -hmm. and everyone was hoping it was going to be for a short while just to, you know, just to flatten the curve. Mm hmm. A lot of the advertisers responded in a very extreme way hmm. I mean, across the board, right? And yes. so yes. You, saw, you saw companies saying, we need to pause anything and everything right now until we figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's some channels where hitting a pause button could happen and literally in minutes, mm-hmm. you're not spending money. Mm-hmm. And so, so you see that in the online programmatic world and in our world as well. And so we saw that, you know, we, we saw the big, the big brands just wanting to be conservative while they were figuring things out in, in March and April. And then for out of home in general, it, it was just, you know, it's out of home and people are in home. Right. So it's a tough sell, I think, for any company that's selling ads to have buyers, at least in March and April, where everyone is at the shelter in place, appreciate the medium and, and want to continue spending when in many, in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, the audiences just weren't there. Yes. What, what's interesting, of course, is that the money is in some ways didn't just pause altogether. It's not like all the whole hmm. marketing world shut down. It, they shifted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you see that Facebook still had a, a growth quarter in Q2, hmm. it's pretty kind of mind blowing when even despite all the uncertainty and all the fear, marketers still felt that they could reach audiences who are in their home on Instagram and Facebook. And so Ultimately, you know, when we look at the, the pandemic, you kind of need to break it into different segments mm-hmm. where the first March, April was as bad for us as probably all the rest of the, the industry. Sure. And rightfully so. And then as more and more the markets started opening up, 
you know, we knew it was, it was just a matter of time. It was, is it going to be in May? Is mm-hmm. it going to be in June? You know, we had, we had braced for the worst, which mm-hmm. is that Q2 would just be a complete wash, mm-hmm. but we didn't know. And so what, what we were focused on during that time was inwardly improving the technology, improving the product, thinking about data and how we can bring data into the story so that when advertisers do resurface, mm-hmm. we could show them that audiences are back. And it's not just one of those, trust me, you know, this is what this media owner or operator is saying, but more of a holistic, this is what the mobile location data providers, this is what Apple, so Apple created a really great dashboard hmm. that showed the mobility mm-hmm. of, of, of Apple iPhone users. Mm-hmm. And so that was really how we spent Q2 was, and, 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 it was, and that's why I say it's the best of times and the worst of times. We were so productive as a mm-hmm. company during that, during that period. Had we not had this opportunity, a lot of things wouldn't have been built as quickly. And so that was, that was the first wave, right? That was you know, March, April, May. Yes. And then what we started to see is that you know, there were little nibbles in terms of marketers asking for outdoor type inventory at first, billboards being the most prominent media type out there. And as people just started to say, I can't stay in my house anymore, I've got to get out, I've got to, I've got to take the kids out of the house, or I've got to just go for a hike, or whatever it, it was, we really shifted our sales and approach just to, to saying, look, these roadside digital billboards, in some cases, have more audience than they did before COVID happened. Yes. So you can still reach people. And, and so that's what our, our sellers and our marketing was, was, was really getting behind that Sure, there are some media types that we have that are, are not open yet, whether it's cinema lobbies or gyms, you know, those kind of places. But hey, we've got billions of impressions of billboards. Yes. And that was, that was how it shifted, where you focus on what we could do as opposed to just waiting for the market to come back around. And it, it seems like, I, I know from my own personal experience, April and May were terrible. But my revenue, as a guy that runs a roadside billboard plant, my revenue in June is now back above where it was in January. Now, my sense of, and looking at the recent OAAA numbers, that is not the case for uh, place-based. That's probably not the case for transit and street furniture. They were all down 70 to 80% in the second quarter. So probably place-based and transit's lagging, but Billboard seems to have come back a little uh, faster than maybe some other forms of out-of-home. Yeah. In many ways, that's what you would expect, right? With the notion that, you know, if the audiences are back and these are mediums that are always on yes. you know, 24 hours a day that, and they're not as subject to like governor restrictions, then yeah, I mean, I'm great. I'm really happy to hear that your, your particular plants numbers are up and, yep. and that's, that's really encouraging. Yes. We do think that digital billboards still are in that upper echelon of media that is easy to sell or at least explain. Yes, but it's not the. It's certainly not the only. I mean, we've really it, we had this partnership with Uber that was geared to launch at the end of Q1, and, mm-hmm. and really Q2 was going to be a big, you know, big coming out. Mm-hmm. And, and we're we're excited about that as well. We still think that the street level video screens, as a complement to digital billboards, are something that that, that we're, we're absolutely investing in. Now let's talk a little more about that partnership. So you were going to put, I think, uh, was it up to a thousand displays, or you were going to help place advertising up on up to a thousand displays on uh, digital screens atop Uber vehicles in Atlanta, Dallas, and Phoenix. What's the latest on that? Yeah. So those thousand vehicles have been deployed. 
Wow. And so, so those markets, yeah, if, you, if you're living in those, you should be seeing them wow. all day, every day on, on your daily journey. You know, like, like a lot of companies, you know, Uber had a rough Q2, Q3 as well. Sure. But they're rebounding in a big way from, from, from the standpoint of Uber Eats and Postmates and, mm-hmm. and with, with transit, like you mentioned, a lot of people not taking transit for whatever yes. reason, whether it's not operating or just they're not comfortable. Then, then Ubers are, are, are really the, the mode of, of choice if you don't have your own vehicle in some of those urban areas. Wow. So yeah, so, so, so we're, we're definitely seeing some positive signals, and Uber and we are committed to this Uber U network. Good for you. Yeah. Yep. And, and so those three cities are operational. We, we're, yeah. We'll be announcing more in the next month or two because it's definitely not stopping there. Jonathan, are the ads on, on the vehicle tops, are they – triggered geographically by beacons or are they time-based flips so you'll you'll get a certain flip a certain time H- how are they what's the trigger sure so there there is a geofence triggering component to it wow but in terms of the way that it's set up it is a little different than billboards you know most billboards you have either six or eight slots yes and it's a thick it's a fixed duration whether it's a one minute loop or a 64 second loop mm-hmm. with uber because you've got hundreds of vehicles that are roaming around the city at different times and turning on and off differently. Mm-hmm. There's not just one loop that kind of operates like a digital billboard because it just it doesn't work that way. Yes. And so it, it is it is eight second ads. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and what's unique also is that they're they're video supported where that's compliant. Mm-hmm. And the, the neat thing about what we've done is through our partnerships with the billboard operators and owners, we are able to Tell that story on the tops of the Ubers and on the digital billboards as like a screen sequencing. Wow. Wow. So so are you saying that the, the, the ad on top of the Uber car may be may complement or enhance an ad that's showing on the local digital billboard? That's exactly right. Wow. And, and so wow. it comes in, in two flavors. Yeah. There's some brands who just they want to own the market. They want, you know, yes. they want everyone in Atlanta to know about this new product or service. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be doing a campaign where the billboards have, you know, one of the eight ad plays or two of the eight ad plays, whatever, showing the ad as like a static image, right? Most billboards are not video, static yes. image. Yes. And then a similar ad with video is playing on the Ubers. So when you're in the in the passenger seat or you're a pedestrian walking down the street and you look up and there's that 14 by 48 with an ad and you look to the side and there's an Uber at the ad, it's penetrating that, that mind share that everyone is, is trying to get, right? The, the mm-hmm. holy grail of everyone's attention. Mm-hmm. But then there's another cool thing that we're doing that because we know where the vehicles are, we have their latitude and longitude at every time because it's talking to our technology platform. We can also have brands say, but you know what? I really only want to heavy up on those ads being shown on the billboards when there's cars in proximity. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't have a budget to blank an entire town or, and have every billboard or lots of billboards always playing it like a traditional buy, then we can do some triggering of the ads to just start programmatically serving when we know that that car is within the, you know, the proximity to the billboard that, that would have that ad. Let's take a break here for a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Samsung LED displays. Selling digital out-of-home ad space used to be a nightmare, but now there's an easy way to make the most of your digital display, programmatic advertising. This new technology empowers you to earn income on your investment with ease. You control who can advertise what, when, and for how long. An online marketplace takes care of the rest. Get the free guide from the experts at Samsung 
Samsung. To find out how to earn fast, reliable ROI on your digital displays, visit billboardinsider.com backslash Samsung. Jonathan, last year you claimed that programmatic could potentially double the digital out-of-home ad spend. Is that still possible? I, I think that we can more than double what we're seeing now and with some of the, the last 18 months progress that, that we and others you know, in our industry are, are making. Mm-hmm. So yes, short answer is I absolutely think that's possible. I think that's possible within the next two to four years. And even with a COVID-adjusted you know, environment. Mm-hmm. And, and so short answer, absolutely yes. How does that happen? Yeah. So there's a few different ways. And I, at first, I think it's important for us to recognize that, let's just talk U.S. Mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Let's say that we're somewhere between 2 and, and $3 billion across all of digital alcohol. Now, I know that billboards are the focus of this podcast but mm-hmm. and, and the biggest component of that, but we do think about it in terms of where are we starting and where do we need to go? Mm-hmm. And so if we even use the more conservative number, say it's two and a half billion. Mm-hmm. So what do we need to do to go from two and a half to five? Mm-hmm. And there's a, a lot of different ways to, to look at that question. But for us, it's thinking about how do we bring new buyers into the marketplace mm-hmm. so that it's not just incumbent upon us to have the existing at-home specialists and brands alone carry that load, but really tap into some, some other really large channels. And for us, there's a few, well, we seem to, we think it's almost obvious ways to do that. Hmm. The hmm. first is just these, these, the, these programmatic online digital media buyers. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are the companies that are buying mobile ads. Now they're buying connected TV ads, display video ads by going into a, a platform and then, you know, building the campaign, uploading their creative and having it flow straight to the screens and then they get built. Mm-hmm. If you look at that market, and let's just even peel it back and say, let's only focus on display ads. So yep. display ads are those ban- banners that you have on your website, Dave, and yep. you can find all across the internet. You go to CNN.com, there's banner ads. Sure. So in the U.S. alone, over $50 billion a year are spent on just display ads. So you're saying you're saying that's a 15 times greater market than out of home, 15 or 20 times greater market. That's right. So a little fraction of that comes into out of home and the market doubles. But think about this, Dave. When marketers are going in and buying their display banner ads, mm-hmm. the average click-through rate of a banner ad across like the entire universe of banner ads, if you look at what eMarketer says and all that, mm-hmm. is around 0.3%. Hmm. So... One out of every 300 people mm-hmm. who see a, a, ba- a display banner ad will click on it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the way that I look at that is display ads are billboards, right? Yes. I mean, if 299 out of 300 people are not clicking on it, then marketers are okay with a, with a, with a medium that's pretty much an awareness and billboard type model. It just yeah. happens to be on your five-inch iPhone, right? Five-inch screen. Yes, yes. And so for us, it says, okay, how does out of home, digital out of home, tap into that 50, $60 billion? Mm-hmm. And for us, it has to look and be bought and eventually be measured as closely to the way that that channel is being done. Mm. And, if it could, and if it could be done that way, then the lines blur between our traditional medium and this digital slash next generation medium. Mm-hmm. And it all becomes just, you, you want audience, you want geos. 
well, we can extend what you're doing in the small screen to the big screen. And it's got the, and, it's, and, and the beauty of it, and this is where I, I think we, we we're, you know, very few people understand this. And we, mm-hmm. have, a, we have a big effort in the next couple of years to, to solve this is that by combining your, your digital billboards with your display ads mm-hmm. or your Facebook social media ads or your Google search ads, then those will, will perform better yes. because of the digital out-of-home screens. It amplifies and it, it works in connection with other kinds of advertising. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, and so that's the name of the game. I mean, at the end of the day, what it all boils down to is results. Can a marketer sell more movie tickets or sell more skincare products or whatever? And, and, and I don't know that, that most of these digital buyers understand that this channel amplifies what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to really work on personally. I want to see us as an industry and, and, and our company get that word out about case studies and testimonials and how it is a performance enhancer. Yes. And then the, and then the second part of it is, well, how do I do it? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like if it still takes weeks to plan and buy, then these digital buyers who are used to minutes or days are just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that's where we come into play where we built our demand side platform where you go online, you build your campaign, you literally can do it in minutes. Mm-hmm. Or go to your omni-channel DSP. Go to Amobi. Go to Data Global. Soon you'll be able to go to the trade desk, which is one of the larger ones. Yes. And we got to bring digital of home to the, the buying community. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what not just grows it by, you know, from two and a half to five. I think that $10 billion in the U.S. in the next five years is not outside the realm of, of, of feasibility. Wow. Wow. That's a, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, and, and it's not unprecedented either, Dave. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at if you look at how quickly Amazon went from zero to I think last quarter they did four billion dollars mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in Q2. So let's call them fifteen billion from zero to fifteen billion per year in like three or four years. Wow. Let's look at connected TV and how the money is flowing out of linear television and into streaming apps. And that is the fastest growing programmatic channel. And that's going to be upwards of $10 billion in the next year or two. Look at TikTok. Wow. Right? Yep. yep. It's, it's just all, all these things are happening. And that's what's amazing. That, that's what, what technology can do to dramatically change the way ads are bought and sold. We just have to let it happen. So Nirvana is a 4X greater market. What could interfere with that projection? So in, in many ways, I think that we are masters of our own destiny as an industry. The decisions that we've made over the last few years and the decisions we're going to make over the next couple of years are going to determine how fast we grow. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that it really starts with the supply. You know, digital billboards, just billboards in general, have been bought a different way mm-hmm. for as long as they've been sold, right? <laughs> and and it's worked, right? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. been solid growth and there's been yeah. more, more you know, digitization and, and, and companies are happy. It's only been over the last few years that you know the savvy media owners have said, okay, we know we have this this thing that works on on the one side with our direct sales teams and traditional selling, but we need to open it up, and we need to have these both of these models coexist. Mm-hmm. And so, really, it's been over the last year or two that the supply has finally hit a critical mass where there's been enough impressions in the Adami platform, in Vista, other other companies where you can get a big brand excited who's buying digital. Mm-hmm. And so we need it from an, what can interfere. We need to keep doing that. 
Like we've, we've made great headway, mm-hmm. but there's still lots of independent, independent billboard guys who are still not selling programmatically or haven't chosen the CMS yep. that would make that possible. Yep. And, and so in order for us to grow our medium 4X or 2X in the next few years, we need buyers to be able to fulfill their campaign sizes. And whether it's the largest media buyer in, in, in the world or it's the local guy, it, it has to work, right? You have to be able to, to get these ads on the screens and have mm-hmm. someone say, wow, that actually, like, I tried it mm-hmm. and I spent all my budget and it worked. And, and so there's, there's definitely still work to be done to get the supply side on, on board there. You know, the measurement piece, I'd say, is probably the the biggest and the one that's the most of a moving target. Hmm. Digital buyers are used to a report that says, I, you know, I, I spent $500 on hmm. Facebook and had hmm. this CPM and I had this many clicks and this many purchases or whatever their conversion metric was. Yes. With, with us not being a direct response medium, we need a, to really solve the perception for the buyers that when you add the, out of the billboards into your mix, mm-hmm. you're going to see that Facebook click-through rate go up. Mm-hmm. And so if you do like an A-B test, you'll see that, that the B will perform better. Yes. But we also need to let people who are just doing standalone campaigns who say, okay, I, I want to measure my digital out of home as a standalone channel. And that's where the mobile devices that travel past the boards are, are so important for us to be able to continue to understand what they are or where they've been mm-hmm. and then build, you know, lift studies that show you know, if you compare people who are exposed who are not exposed, here's how many more conversion metrics you saw, whatever you're trying to do, online or offline sales. Mm-hmm. And so, so we're on our way there, Dave, but it's, it, it, it's a concern with Apple with what's about to happen with iOS 14 and then trying to kind of clamp down on some of the, the location data access. And and let's talk about that. It looks to me like in in IS fourteen, they're going to go to allow you to opt to report your approximate location versus precise location. It also looks like there's going to be a lot more ability to go in and say no, don't share this information with this app or don't share this with that. What impact are these items going to have on the quality of the location data you're able to get from people moving around with their smartphones? Yeah. And that's multi-billion dollar question. Hmm. Not even just for us, mm-hmm. but for the whole ad industry. Yes. This has tremendous ripple effects. Yes. The, the short answer is we don't know until it comes out mm-hmm. and we start to see how, how consumers behave, right? Mm-hmm. Because what, what, what Apple is doing, which it, so, so many people in the ad industry are saying, this is, this is like a nefarious act, hmm. not even... It's, it's not even like great for the consumers. It's just, it's just Apple kind of exerting its force mm-hmm. is they are forcing you to have to, they will force you to have to opt in to the precise location of your, of, of your, of your phone to be, to be included for the apps that, that require location services, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. opposed to what they've done in the past, where it's, you have to opt out. Yes. And so app, Apple is almost saying like, we have a problem in this country with people's privacy and, and so we're going to decide to make it harder for companies to, to deliver relevant services or, or whatnot. And, and, and the consumer is going to be smart enough to decide that they want to go out of their way mm-hmm. to turn it on. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, it's super messed up, not just from a business perspective, but they are, they are, they are to, doing things to the detriment of consumers. Mm. And what, what we found, and this is the unfortunate part, is that a lot of consumers just go with what's default. Yes. You know, like they yes. don't go in their settings and, and turn things off. Right, right, and so and so, so it's a scary proposition where the quantity 
of observations mm-hmm. might, we don't know yet with the wait and see, might dramatically lower hmm. because of this. And, you know, I don't know if you, if you read about this this past week, Facebook put out a, a posting that with iOS 14, they may have to discontinue their audience network. Wow. So they, ha- they have their Facebook APIs and all of these different apps mm-hmm. and these location services. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and they think that if it happens the way that Apple has set it up and, and if there's no further changes, mm-hmm. that they may have to discontinue that, that whole that service. So wow. this, definitely, this definitely is a cross-cutting concern. For us in Out of Home, the thing that really matters to us is obviously Geopath, our industry kind of a trade group that measures and provides estimated impressions, mm-hmm. they're heavily reliant upon mobile as one, not, not, not the whole you know, way that they measure, but it's, it's a big component, just, yes. just like a lot of companies. Yes. And, and then also our ability to quantify for attribution studies and for lift studies. And, yes. Yeah, our ability to do those, it just means that you might have to have a larger campaign with more time or more ads served hmm. in order to measure it with statistical significance. Mm-hmm. Which, which definitely is the wrong direction that we want to be heading in. We want smaller campaigns yes. to be able to be made to, me- to measure their impact. And so we have to keep a close eye. I know that Facebook has wrote that post because they're trying to also incite the developers and all of the rest of the advertising community to fight against this. Hmm. Yep. You know, and, and if there's an, enough loud voices that are discon- you know, unhappy with, with Apple, maybe we can get them to switch it back from opt-in from having to opt in mm-hmm. versus the, the other way. So, so that's, that's how I see it. We've got to keep a close eye. I'll definitely let you know probably yep. by, by December, by the yep. end of the year, by December, there will hopefully be enough iPhones, iOS 14s out there and, and we'll know. Is, the, are, is increasing privacy becoming an issue for non-iOS phones? Well, non-iOS phones means mostly Google Android. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Google, <laughs> Google's primary business model being ad sales. Yes, I think they recognize the importance of supporting the ad community and yep, yep. Not, while also doing it in a consumer-safe way. Yes. So, so I, I think if you ask Google, they would say the same thing a lot of we're, us are saying that Apple just is making a, faux, a big faux pas, mm-hmm. big blunder with trying to do something for people that, it, you know, without them necessarily demanding it yes. and just kind of putting their own nose into how it should be done because Apple isn't an advertising-centric business, right? That, Yes. They make money selling hardware and services. Yes. And so no, I'm not. I'm not as concerned about Android devices mm-hmm. in the short term. Okay, Jonathan. What are some myths surrounding programmatic digital out of home that you think need debunking? You know, so it's it's changed over time. I'd say that number one, programmatic should be looked at by the media owner as an extension of their business. Mm-hmm. And I think for a very long time, it was viewed as a competitive sales channel. Hmm. And as something that could be more of a risk. And so I think number one, you know, we are a partner with the media owners. We only make money when we sell ads on your billboards, Dave. Mm-hmm. And you set the prices. Like, but the number two myth is that with programmatic online, there was this fear of racing to the bottom that happened because there was so much supply and not yes. as much demand. And so the price ended up going down and, and, you know, you were able to use programmatic as like a discounting. Mm-hmm. sort of approach tactic as a buyer. But with us, media owners set the, the floor price for the CPM they want to sell at, and they could change that price whenever they want. Yep. So by removing that and also knowing that with 
we're dealing with atoms and not pixels, right? These are physical billboards, not yes. screens where you can create a website instantly, whatever you want, and put banner ads. Yes. And so there isn't there isn't that ability. There's that scarcity angle that we have that should make also maintain prices. And, and we actually see in the next few years price going up mm-hmm. on digital out of home boards on a per ad play basis hmm. when you have more demand coming in to compete for that limited supply. Yes. Yes. And then I guess the last one would be just how easy it is to execute. You know, there's there's now more ways to buy programmatically mm-hmm. uh, digital out of home than there ever has been. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the channel DSPs, but also the omnichannel guys are really starting to get interested in this. And and so it is easy. Mm-hmm. You just need to, you know, get an account set up with one of the platforms or, or multiple and see it for yourself. Yep. So those are the top three that I would say in, in my mind. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, Dave. This podcast was sponsored by Samsung LED Displays. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider Podcast by visiting BillboardInsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider Podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is BillboardInsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.